Hello, and welcome to the Secure Our Future podcast series. This is episode three, where today we are here to talk about maintenance and transportation. I'm your host, Greg Spencer, and with me, as always, is Chief Communications Officer Tara Thompson. Tara, how are you doing today? Pretty good. So why don't you introduce our very special guest for this episode? Okay. Well, first of all, we've got Mr. Roger Shepard here with us today. He's our Executive Director of Operations. And then we've got to my left, the lovely lady, Rosalind Van Jackson, who is over all support services, but her official title is Chief Support Services Officer. She has a little bit of a mouthful in her <laughs> title there because she covers so much. Well, that's uh, They always say that the longer the title, the better you are at your job, right? Oh, I hope that holds true. <laughs> it seems to be true. I feel like the the long as you look around some of the different people across the district that have long titles, they're they're pretty good at their jobs. So, Tara, why don't before we kind of dive into maintenance and transportation, why don't you kind of summarize what we've okay. talked about so far? Really, there's kind of three talking points that we're trying to drive home with every bond issue. One, it's a $52 million bond issue that does not increase property taxes. And the third point being, we need you to vote on November 14th. So if you can remember those three things, then um, we're doing our job here on the podcast. Absolutely. So Roger, we'll start with you since you're here to my right, but I want you to give us a little bit about your background. Tell us how you ended up in BA and, and what you do here. Well, again, my name is Roger Shepard, Executive Director of Operations here at Brokenheart Public Schools. Um, my background originally was in the air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration business. So I went to OSUIT in Okmogee, got a degree in air conditioning and heating in 1990. <clears throat> and then I got into the educational world by teaching air conditioning and heating at Tulsa Tech for five years, 15 years at OSUIT. I became the department head down there. And then I had a little bit of a passion to get back into operations. So I left the instructional world, got back into operations, worked for Williams Company for a year, three years at Tulsa City County Library. And now I'm here at Broken Air Public Schools and uh, over all of operations now, which is maintenance, plant operations, custodial services, warehouse, and also construction. So it is a big world and we have a lot going on, but, uh, it's a good world. I love it. It's yeah. a great place to be. Absolutely. Rosalind, what about you? All right. Well, I started out my career in human resources. I worked at a local um, law firm uh, doing director of, or being a director of human resources. And then I transitioned uh, for about 10 years to work in the school industry, starting in special needs and then landing in transportation. Uh, from there, I've been here in Broken Arrow for about eight years, um, have worked uh, very diligently in those areas of operation, also working in enrollment services prior to my role here, executive director there, uh, and now I oversee child nutrition, before and after care, the employee child care center, and transportation, and I enjoy it thoroughly. Yeah, that's, I mean, both of you guys really, you talk about a lot of important stuff that sometimes people don't always think about on the forefront when you're talking about education, but it's really what makes us go. And I think it's impressive that you guys oversee as much as you do for sure. So let's kick things off and we'll start with maintenance and transportation. What are some of the items that are included in this bond issue? Um, I can start off here as far as uh, maintenance. So we're looking at four or five big issues that we need to be uh, looking at and taking care of. Uh, roofs are a big issue in our world. Uh, we've got 11 roofs. We just recently had a <clears throat> an audit done of all of our roofing. We have 11 roofs that are F rated. And in the education world, F means failed. <laughs> so these have already failed and we are patching them, plugging them, covering them, doing everything we can do so we can have school every day. But these 
these 11 roofs need to be replaced. And I'm assuming that's so, a, some of our older buildings? Yes, they are. Yeah. And, and some of these roofs are, uh, for instance, at Freshman Academy, the building was built 78, 79. And so some of them have not been replaced since then yeah. on that site. And then you know, we go down a list of those 11. We won't do that right now. I've got that information. If anybody ever wants to know it or look at it and talk to me about it, but those roofs need immediate attention. Uh, it affects day-to-day operations, especially during the uh, rainy season when it snows. We have, as the snow melts, it finds its way into the cracks, finds its way into the building, gets into the classrooms. There's nothing worse than a student sitting at a desk and having water dripping on their Chromebook mm-hmm. or on the teacher's desk, and the ceiling tiles look bad. It just looks bad, but it's also very, very bad in our buildings. Uh, they prematurely deteriorate. Water. Nobody wants water in their in their buildings, in their house, and we don't want water in our schools. And what does it cost to replace, like, let's say the Freshman Academy roof? How big of a, a price tag are we looking on something like that? So freshmen, to get everything replaced that needs to be replaced right now is about $1.6 million. And how much is your Just uh, at the Freshman Academy alone? Just freshmen. Wow. And yes. how much is your maintenance budget each year? Uh, the maintenance budget for everything we do is, this year it was $1.6 million. So exactly what it would cost to replace one roof. And that's everything we do in a year in maintenance. Mm -hmm. It lasts us a year. Mm -hmm. And so obviously we can't fund roof replacement out of our maintenance budget. Well, and those are the kind of things that I'm sure with with your staff, your guys, that that they come to work and they've got stuff planned. And then you're like, well, no, you know, BAFA's got a leak. And then that throws off your your whole day and everything else you guys have planned, right? Exactly. And it's not just one leak at BAFA. It's 12 leaks at BAFA (laughs) or 14 when when it rains. And you know, we really try to take care of the cafeterias and the offices and the classrooms um, first when there is a leak. Well, and while we're talking about roofs, what about the HVAC units that sit on top of those roofs? Um, how many of those need attention and what's the price tag on those? Those good questions. And that would be my ne- number two item on my list would be HVAC equipment. Uh, we've got 583 units that are 15 years and older. So 15 years doesn't sound too bad, but 302 of those are in excess of 20 years old. And so when you start getting into 20-year-old equipment, you start running into issues with um, non-compliance with EPA standards, but also it gets into life safety issue because of the heat exchangers. Everything that we do is uh, fired uh, gas heating. So, you know, we don't want any kind of breaches in that to getting, we don't want any carbon dioxide in our buildings. We have detectors all over uh, monitoring that. But when we find one, we shut it down, we pull it, and then... The refrigerant that a lot of this equipment runs on is obsolete. We can't buy it anymore, and we found replacements, but it doesn't perform as well. So then we consume more electricity. And so, you know, to replace those 302 exactly is the number we have right now that are over uh, 20 years old. They're between 20 and 30. Some are 28, 29 years old. Um, you know, we're looking at ten, twelve thousand $12,000 a piece. So we're talking about three to $4 million to replace that equipment alone. Give us some examples in terms of kind of, you know, in an average school, how many of these units do they have per building? So uh, take a snapshot in your mind of Centennial Middle School. Yeah, It's got over 80 rooftop units. Jeez. That's one school. So the whole school district with our 38 sites and our 47 to 48 structures have about 1,900 air conditioning systems. And so we're looking at about a, a 25 to 30% of those are either aged or aged out and need to be replaced. And with these bond funds, capturing enough 
of that to replace these over a five-year period of time is something that just has to be done. We've mm-hmm. got to get in there and do that because, you know, once they fail and we can't get parts for them anymore, then we're just stuck with going to plan B, which is moving students out of classrooms, putting in portable units, or a combination of both. And that's just a short-term fix. That's nothing long-term. Well, in, in Oklahoma, we could be using the heating or the air at any, any pretty much any month of the year, it seems like. In that's exactly Oklahoma. right. We've got some buildings where we are uh, cooling the inside and heating interior and the outside structure, the perimeter of the building, we may be running heating the mm-hmm. same day. So it's it's just real important for a stable classroom to have quality HVAC equipment. And a lot of it's indoor air quality to filtration and to keep everything, uh, the air from stratifying and to keep good air circulation and just keep comfort levels, humidity levels down. Mm-hmm. Especially the teachers. They like it nice and comfortable too. We, we all do, even yes. those of us who yes. don't teach. Yes. So Rosalind, tell us a little bit about some of the facts, some of the stats in terms of transportation for this bond issue. Okay. So one of the... Um, items on the bond issue is a transportation terminal. Um, We have 130 or 115 square miles that we transport students to and from school every day. And we do that from one centralized location in North BA. Um, What we're looking to do with this bond is to uh, create another location in the southern portion of BA, um, a centralized transportation terminal that would allow us to uh, revisit some efficiencies. One of those being uh, looking at our bail schedules, reducing the time of travel per day, um, increasing the route efficiencies, being able to keep students on the bus a lot less uh, time than we're currently doing, and then overall cost savings, um, fuel, wear and tear on buses. So that is uh, the first piece that we're looking to uh, benefit from with the successful passage of this bond. Um, And that, I believe, is in Proposition 1, along with maintenance. Um, The second thing that we're looking to do, we transport uh, up to 12,000 students are eligible for transportation. Uh, Within one bus, uh, we can save 36 to 50 cars from being on the road, which reduces pollutants, but most importantly, adds some convenience level and consistency for students traveling to school. Um, Students are 70 times more likely to arrive to school safely if they are traveling by bus. Um, Some of these stats are very um, eye-opening, but uh, also they're they're very, very beneficial, not only for our students and their safety, um, but the motoring public and our community as well. Uh, In addition to that, uh, our our buses, because of the 2015 um, actual bond passage, we've been able to reduce the uh, life cycle for those buses. So right now our life cycle or average age of our vehicles is 13 years. Um, That doesn't mean that every single bus that's on the road is only 13 years old. We have some that are also 20 years old and we want to continue to bring that number down uh, again, uh, which will yield some cost savings and then some avoidance of cost uh, because as vehicles become more newer, more robust in technology, there's some reduction in emissions and some vehicle um, technology that's been put into place that have some significant savings. Um, some of the things we're looking to employ in our uh, overall transportation purchase strategy is to include, as we have in the past, GPS on all of our school buses, which we currently have, uh, cameras, which uh, those are nearing their useful life cycle because we began that 
process of implementing uh, that technology on buses. And again, the 2015 bond and with a successful bond passage in 2023, we can continue that on. And so then, I'm not sorry to jump in there, but I know in the in the previous episode, we talked about cameras and the need for cameras across the district. Is that a separate item? So in terms of the buses, does that, you know, fall on your side or does that get implemented, you know, into the transportation thing? Well, per state. I don't know if I asked that correctly, but. <laughs> no, I got you. So per state uh, law, we have to pull out transportation uh, in the school buses. Mm -hmm. And within that is uh, not only the uh, physical equipment, the transportation equipment, the buses, gotcha. but also the software and hardware that goes inside of those, including radios, cameras, GPS, all the things I've named. Some uh, other things that we're looking at that will further increase the safety of students that are on the bus is collision avoidance technology, uh, which is costly. So uh, we're looking forward to support of the bond so that we can continue down a path of making students safe on the bus. Absolutely. Just to clarify, it's it's not because we want a second uh, question on that bond issue. It's actually state law that we have to pull those transportation items out and run it separately. Correct? That's correct. Okay. And something else that has been interesting to me throughout all of this, um, school districts in Oklahoma are not required to provide to provide transportation, but it's something that we do here in Broken Arrow. We prioritize that. And our audience might be interested to learn too, that we prioritize it without full funding from the state. Can you talk a little bit about um, how much money we get from the state to uh, transport students versus how much we pay out of our own school budget? Absolutely. So the state of Oklahoma, I actually sit on the National Association of Pupil Transportation um, as one of their experts in uh, looking at legislation across the nation for pupil transportation. And um, it's it's very eye-opening uh, what we do in Oklahoma in relation to what's done in, in other states and for transportation, it is a voluntary service uh, outside of special needs transportation. Uh, it's not something that's mandated by the state or by the federal government. Um, the state provides us with a little bit over $700,000 uh, for those services, but the cost is uh, near $7 million. So oh, just about a 10% there. <laughs> a couple of is, zeros is what yeah. we, we receive. And, and the students have great benefit, you know. The bus is a very good way for students to have good attendance, mm -hmm. which then impacts the classroom greatly. It can impact uh, test scores. It can impact um, the outcomes uh, educationally for our students. Anything we've we've missed there on, the on these two topics? The only other question I might ask, Rosalind, can you give our listeners an idea of well, what does a bus cost? Because it's a little bit different than just going out and purchasing, you know, a Subaru or Ford or, you know, whatever else. I mean, how much are we looking at? One bus can cost upwards of $120,000 uh, over the last two decades. Uh, that's going up double. Uh, when we first started bidding buses um, in my career, it was about $60,000 price tag. And we're already at about $120,000. And, and that's just standard things. That's not air conditioning on the bus. That's, that's not all of the uh, bells and whistles. That is just uh, the stock and standard. And then are the lag times in getting the buses getting any better? I know for a while the, you know, the industry was pretty disrupted with the supply chain. How, how is that outlook? We continue to have supply chain issues with buses because it's it's not just the manufacturer of the bus, right? There are parts that go inside of the bus that are also 
uh, still having issues with the supply chain. So right now, we are looking at anywhere from 18 months to 24 months to receive a bus. Wow. The buses that we re, uh, we ordered last year are still not here, and it was sometime in March. You look at the autom- auto, you know, automotive industry in general, and you're having to wait for cars a lot of times. So you, you can only imagine that, that that would be the case with buses. Uh, so what, you know, this is the question that we've had to ask on all these episodes, but what happens if, if these items don't pass? Where do we go from there? For us, we are so proud in the transportation department. We have an excellent uh, mechanic and maintenance team that do a really good job of making sure that our, our bus is in tip-top shape and are in the safest condition to transport our most uh, precious cargo. And so um, the vitality of that is if we don't have newer buses going to cost us more. And so that uh, $7 million price tag then goes up. But then also um, we have issues with mechanical breakdowns, which you don't quite frequently see buses broke down on the side of the road here in Broken Arrow. That's, again, something that's a testament to the staff that we have and the care that they have for the students. They take care of the buses, but that can only go so far um, if we don't have the funding uh, to continue to make those replacements and keeping that life cycle low. And we cannot use bond dollars to hire um, employees or give salaries, but do you want to do a a shameless plug real quick to recruit bus drivers? (laughs) Oh, I would absolutely love to. Driving a school bus is the most rewarding job that anyone can have. Uh, We just uh, pushed a video on social media of one of our drivers, and the sentiments uh, that he shared in that video kind of tell the story. Um, A lot of our bus drivers are professionals, uh, and they are retired professionals. They've had jobs in engineering. They've been VPs of, of companies, but they want to have that reward of every day getting, again, that most precious cargo to and from school safely um, as their career. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to doing it outside of being able to see smiling faces every day. Um, they actually have benefit time. Um, there's insurance. Uh, there's opportunity for a pension. Um, there's also the the benefit of being off. If you're a mother or a father and you want to be out of school at the times when your kids are out of school, you have that option as well. We have tuition reimbursement. I can go on and on and on. It's a dream job for the ones that are doing it now. We have uh, very good retention. When Once we get you in the door, um, and you're doing it because it's a, your purpose and passion. We keep you. We are family at BA, and, and our bus drivers just absolutely love our kids. Yeah, I was going to ask you, we, we often have to you know, put up hiring videos and you know, things on social media, but I know there's a lot of bus drivers out there that, like you said, we've had for a long time. Give us an example of somebody that's maybe been here for 20, 30 years. I mean, how many of those types do we have? I, I would say a good 30% of our staff our, our long-term employees. Um, and uh, I can t- tell you um, about Mark Williams. Mark Williams is a, a dream bus driver. Um, he actually goes above and beyond every single day. I can't count on my hands the number of times where he stopped because he's that attentive when it comes to kids and seeing a, a child on the side of the road and not even within his bus route you know, stopped and asked the question. And out of uh, several times, there's been two where we picked up a three-year-old that snuck out of their home and he was able to get that child to safely safety. And then another child in the same situation. Again, these aren't people or children that are within our school buildings. They're in our community. 
And those are the type of people that we employ uh, and, and that we just love being able to pour out into every single day into our kids. Um, and so I think, uh, like I said, it's just the best job in the world. That's awesome. Roger, any final thoughts or final things that you want to mention before we wrap this up? Well, you know, roofs and HVAC equipment are very important, and we know that. We need to stay comfortable. We need to stay dry, keep our buildings from deteriorating. You know, we're also looking at some other things on this bond issue, uh, taking care of our playgrounds. You know, we have uh, 20 playgrounds at 20 different sites, and um, probably 75% of those have been in the ground and been used a lot, not only by <laughs> children in schools, but by neighborhood kids. I mean, they're used yeah. year-round. And so we're looking at uh, using some bond dollars also to invest into our uh, playground equipment. Playground equipment is very expensive, and it's very important that we maintain it for safety and for the integrity of our system. The teachers, when it's time for kids at that uh, age level to go on recess, the kids race to the playgrounds every day, and they climb all over this equipment, and they just have a ball with it. And they come back and they're ready to go into the next phase of the day. Without that, it, it really affects the classroom uh, every day. And so the teachers are very, very good about watching the playground equipment. We inspect it. We repair it. We work on it constantly. But you can only fix something for so many months, so many years. And so we've, we have uh, a lot of it that just needs to be replaced. And we have been replacing it, but we've, we've about run our budget out this year already in replacing playground equipment. And then uh, parking lots and flooring is another couple of issues. Uh, we've got probably eight sites that we need to completely remove and, and replace parking lots. And it's not in our maintenance budget. And then flooring, um, we've got some classrooms that are over 20 years old, have original flooring in it. And so carpeting um, that needs to be replaced and also tile that uh, it's just time for it to be changed out. And we, we patch it and we plug it and we smooth it back out and we keep it going. But... It's just time for uh, some massive changes, our parking lots, our playgrounds, our flooring, and then roofs and HVAC equipment. It's time to do something. And this bond uh, package, this bond issue will address a tremendous amount of that, really help us get down the road for the next so 10 to 15 years. In your world, vintage might not be a good thing. Is that what <laughs> I'm hearing? It's definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> Uh, Rosalind, do you mind kind of going into a little, kind of clarifying the difference between kind of what this terminal is as opposed to a regular bus barn that people are kind of familiar with? Okay, so it's terminology. Uh, barn is where you hold animals. <laughs> terminal is a professional location yeah. where you house vehicles uh, that are fueled, housed, and dispatched out of a centralized location. And that's what we're looking to do. Right now, we only have one location uh, located in the north side of our district. And as I communicated earlier, all of our buses, all 130 of our routes, all 200 of our buses have to transport kids across 115 square miles. By adding that second terminal, we're able to add efficiencies that help us overcome some of the challenges like shortage of drivers. Um, it helps us to really be good stewards of uh, the funds that we have available to us. And also allows us to have more centralized operations to where we can look at the southern part of our districts, reducing uh, travel times for students and drivers as well. 
Tara, any final thoughts or questions for either one of them before we wrap this up? One more question to Rosalind. I've heard that maybe we would be looking at elementary end times and doing some adjusting there. Is there any truth to that too? Absolutely. So that Southern Terminal and the efficiencies gain will allow us to look at the times that elementaries begin and end um, along with our middle schools and high schools and freshman academy, our entire uh, system, and make some tweaks uh, to where we have a more desirable time for those kiddos to get out of school. Very good. So we'd like to thank Roger Shepard and Rosalind Van Jackson for joining us on the third episode of the Secure Our Future podcast series. If you missed the first two, you can find them on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or as well on our website at www.baschools.org slash 23bond, right? Did I get it right this time? Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. We'll put that link right there so you don't... So you don't listen to me and mess it up. But thank you guys very much for for providing with this insight. And uh, like we said, go to that website that you see right here to find more information on this bond issue. Thanks, guys. Thank you.